This program is intended for mature audiences only. Altitude adjustment may contain language, images, or other content that some may find offensive. Your discretion is advised. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Good afternoon. It is 2 p.m. Central Time. I'm Leon Davis uh, with Warren Harper and Leonard. And you are listening to Altitude Adjustment, the twice-a-week podcast about people, politics, and professions. Thank you for joining us. Your attention is uh, always appreciated, and hopefully we provide for you uh, a great service and, and some form of um, knowledge and growth. So to this week, we're going to talk about uh, today. Today, we're going to talk about labor unions. Um, I'm going to give a couple of quick facts about labor unions. Um, percentage of workers belonging to a union in 1920, or, sorry, in 2019 was about 10.3%. That was 14.6 million members. That was down from 20% in 1983 That was from 17.7 million members. Union membership in the private sector has fallen to 6.2% of um, workers, one-fifth, that's one-fifth of the public sector, which is 33% of uh, union members. Over half of all union members in the United States live in just seven states, California, New York, Illinois, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Ohio, and Washington, although these states account for only about one-third of the workforce. From a global perspective, the U.S., in 2016, the U.S. had the fifth lowest trade union density of the 36 OECD member nations. OECD is the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. Uh, it's an intergovernment economic, economic organization with 38 member countries and was founded in 1961 to stimulate economic progress and world trade. So now that you've glazed over, we'll try to get to some of the more conversational stuff. So part of what I, what caused me to, um, caused me to um, uh, is there a television? Is that is that what we got? Oh uh, yeah, hold on. Is that is that you? Are you able to cut the TV down a little bit, baby? All righty. So anyway, that's all right. We'll go with it. We'll go with it. We'll. It's just it just happens. So um, uh, Leon, I, I'm not seeing your you on camera. Ah, that's where are we going? There we go. You're not seeing me. That's good. Now you can see me. Nope. Nope. <laughs> really? Oh no, you're good, baby. I was I was saying that note in response to Leon. Oh, I see here. All righty. There you are. So they had a um, they had an upgrade, and I guess when they upgrade, they change things. So the the um, um, virtual camera should have started, but it didn't. Mm. So anyway, talking about OBS, I know old OBS. Yeah. <laughs> Organic brain syndrome. <laughs> yep. So the reason that I. Um, wanted to talk about labor unions was so recently with uh, the COVID-19 stuff, what you've noticed is that people, uh, companies implementing uh, COVID protocols where you have to get vaccinated to come to work. And mm -hmm. there was this uh, uh, one city in Missouri where the whole police department walked, supposedly walked off because of the you know the the vaccination requirements and and the, so one of the things that happened that occurred to me was shouldn't union if you're represented by a union shouldn't your union have negotiated that as part of your um bargaining agreement hmm. what what should they have negotiated things like um um if they, they if they're going to change requirements for your employment. Mm -hmm. 
Well, uh, you could have, but, you know, could you really say, assuming that this contract was negotiated two or three years ago, could anybody foresee that, realistically foresee and prepare for a pandemic such as the one we have? Agreed. I agree. But if that's the case, and it's not in the contract, you should still be bound by the contract so that if there's nothing in the contract that says in, in emergency situations, we will do this. This is what happens. These are the requirements. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so, so if that occurs, um, then, then shouldn't that be a part of the agreement? Make sense? It, it can make sense. But, you know, uh, a few years ago when I was in a community college taking a law course, it, it, some of the same issues were brought up in a couple of cases where if it's dealing with public safety, uh, you're not the government, you know, governmental entities are not necessarily bound by those type of terms. And, you know, if, if they make decisions that are in the interest of public safety, that population, they can make it. Okay. So that would cover police officers and the vaccination requirements. Uh, and, you know, them choosing to walk off the job because you look at it, public safety people such as police, firefighters, EMS, doctors and nurses, they're the first ones they gotta they're the ones they gotta get up close and personal and deal with these people. Mm -hmm. And that jurisdiction ought to have the power to say, Yeah, we're requiring our employees to get this so that in a situation like this they can have their they can have their employees. Okay, so so here's here's how I'm framing the argument. Right. So the, the, the so what I'm saying is, I just gave you facts uh, that mm -hmm. unions have fallen out of favor. Right. And the purpose for the unions were to give employees a voice in the environment in which they worked in. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So over the years, um, unions have hurt themselves in a number of ways. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. But I'm, mm -hmm. my, my thought is here, if we have unions, if, if unions become a more standardized part of the American workforce, then mm -hmm. what we have is situations like this can be addressed ahead of time instead of being now dealt with um, after a pandemic has started. Yes. I mean, it's not, it's not unreasonable to follow the logic of what you're saying, mm -hmm. but you can't keep having workforces just walk off the job because they don't like, uh, in this case, that we're doing something to protect the public, public safety. After all, the police are definitely front lines in public safety. So if we're not able to keep police officers safe, how can we keep the rest of the population safe? Well, so, so what about food workers, food service workers? What about trash collectors? Um, you know, so, so if we have greater union representation for mm -hmm. all industries, mm -hmm. then a lot of these things can be mitigated before they become a problem and everybody knows what's going to happen in the case of mm -hmm. an emergency you know so like uh, in your in your negotiations you say you know if there's emergency situation comes up um, management and unions will sit down uh, powwow for three days and come up with a, a an answer and the union and the 
uh, and both sides are bound by whatever that situation is. So rather than we have people uh, standing up going, I'm not going to you know, participate in this, I'm not going to uh, take this, this vaccine, um, they would know ahead of time what, their expect, what, what to expect in that work environment and what they're going to be held account to. Yes. Well, I think what what you said earlier is is part of the problem we face today when you were referring to the fact that in today's society in this era, we don't have the number of uh, unions that control industries. Uh, they don't have uh, the power. Unions are very weak compared to when they were... Um, in the glory days when they had a lot of control over what went on. So, and part of the reason is the fact that so many people today rebel against that type of authority. And this is a part of the political conflict we're in. So unions just are being, the whole concept of unions is is not uh, very well accepted right now. People would fight them tooth and nail on just like they're fighting uh, the mandates for the vaccines and things like that. That's all a political environment that we're in right now. Yeah. So so, you know, I'm, if you knew ahead of time, so if you had somebody collectively uh, representing, you know, you um, as, you know, say a frontline worker in the food service industry or, or in food prep or in farming or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. a lot of the protections that you know, if 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 companies aren't allowed to just arbitrarily make up new regulations and new rules, um, and that you had a voice, then I think people would be more likely to be less angry about changes. Because I think a lot of people here felt they didn't, they didn't have, their voice wasn't being heard, that they weren't being listened to. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if we, if we had better representation with unions, and, and we can go into, you know, what unions have done to hurt themselves. But I think, you know, overall, unions can play a very important role in ensuring that the next situation like this is handled much better and and safely yes uh, i mean they can absolutely uh the thing is you can yeah you could do a catch-all statement like you was mentioning before that yeah in the case of emergency we'll get together the management and the union and bargain over some for two or three days and make a decision and and this is what we'll come up with but you can't predict every situation that will possibly happen and uh even when people get their voices heard and something was decided against their voice in this case they're still going to be angry and verbally abusive and walk out and, and do whatever you you can still have that but you're right it can be you can do a catch-all statement like we talked about and it won't be that effect uh like you said the whole town the one town the whole police force walked off the job uh you know but that's 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 the way that goes uh like you said unions have hurt themselves and uh and and they're losing influence uh like I, uh, a show that i like to watch when i'm there watching is a donnie book that comes on the local pbs station here in st louis on thursday nights and last night they were talking about the carpenters union in st louis dissolving and it dissolved here in st louis and kansas city and the, and the St. Louis and Kansas City now being run by the Chicago Regional Office. So, when you say that, 
every situation can't be thought of. You're absolutely correct. But you always put in contingencies that if if the situ if there's something that arises in the company that that mm-hmm. is not specifically detailed in our labor negotiations, then we will right. take these steps. We will meet with management on uh, within a five hour period, and there's a letter sent by somebody to somebody else to initiate this meeting. We'll sit down. We'll work out the particulars of how labor is expected to perform, how management is expected to perform in this instance, and then you add that to the contract, and then all of that is resolved. So you don't have to... I agree to, with you. You don't have to, you know, specifically um, right. target every conceivable issue that a company may encounter. I agree with you. I mean, some type of catch-all along that line should be part of the contract and i'm sure from here on out those type of negotiations for labor and uh union you know management and union contract it'll include something like that uh and that's what i would think but you know you're you're right something like that should have been included in in the con in the in the in the management contract but you know that contract runs two ways. Management has a role to play in the and the union has a role to play. So for example, if the police force was supposed to quit under this conditions, that's not detailed in their contract, they're breaking that contract as well. I mean, so I, I agree with you. You should have a catch all statement. That says, here's what we'll do if something comes up that we have to deal with that's not specifically addressed in this contract. So part of part of what I was um, trying to go to you guys into to doing, and you just decided not to, was to give me a reason why, you know, I'm trying to give reasons why um, the labor unions are a necessity or are very good for the worker, and I was hoping you guys would give me all of the, because you both have worked in, uh, jobs that had um, that were represented by unions, right? That's true. correct. And so, in my case, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. And so, no, no, that's we're having a conversation. No, okay. So well, ahead. in my case, it wasn't required. Right. It was. It wasn't required. So I was one of the workers that wasn't in that union. Why? Uh, that union. That particular union had a history of working actively working against the interests of African American uh, in that field. They had they had a they had an activist interest in doing that. Uh, I didn't see giving my money to people that actively worked to cut my throat, so to speak. Okay, but that was that was my that was my that was my uh, rationale for doing it. Mm-hmm. So, so, so unions, like I said, we can point out, uh, you know, a lot of reasons why unions. So, one of the questions. Let me let me do this then. One of the questions is, um, unions have become active in politics, and they actually support candidates, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of people that turns a lot of people off because. If you're actively using my money to mm-hmm. support candidates that I don't support, regardless mm-hmm. of whether you think they are good for the industry or not, then why should right. I give you my money? So if if labor unions stuck to labor negotiations and just made recommendations about political candidates and policies and help people understand what politics and weren't actually lobbyists. That might be a beneficial aspect of uh, labor unions. Wouldn't you agree? I'm not in a hundred percent agreement with that because part of a labor union job is looking and looking out for the interests of their union is 
the is was trying to, as you say, uh, getting engaging in political activities that was beneficial to their workers. I mean, most unions they were going to they were going to support candidates and issues that would mainly give their workers the best chance of being successful uh, work condition wise. Uh, economic wise and but here uh, what's happened in the last 20 or so years they've uh, taken some positions and especially with the Carpenters Union story I was listening to and then they uh, referenced an article that was in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch on the 28th of September that the Carpenters Union did and these issues collapsed and it put the carpenters union in the bare light they 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 supported a couple of issues that collapsed real bad such as the airport expansion i mean airport privatization of lambert airport mm -hmm. and they supported that uh uh thing that was going on a few years ago talking about the better together mm -hmm. where they were trying to combine the city and the county into one entity and both issues collapsed, and but you know was, it left the Carpenters Union out there. But that was pretty my point. bad. That was my point. They they gave money to causes that people in the union disagreed with, and so you're saying you think that that um, that they should be allowed to uh, contribute to political parties and stuff. And what I'm saying is. You can do the same thing of supporting issues without giving money to a cause. So you can distribute to your your membership. These are the mm -hmm. reasons you sh you that if you go out and support this legislation, or if you right. support this this movement, it would be beneficial mm -hmm. to us as a labor union and as a, an industry. And then mm -hmm. people don't get as involved. Because you're not using their money to support a candidate that they don't want or, or support a cause that they don't want. So you're basically, you know, if, you, if, if, if your union had sent you um, a letter saying, you know, we think that the company that you're working for should not use this insurance company. And these are the reasons that we're distributing this information to you. Uh, are you going to accept that? Or if you find out that your um, your union has taken your union dues, supported a candidate that, that um, supported an issue opposing you to actually use that money instead of creating, you know, materials to help you make a better decision. And for them to give you their reasons why, but that they actively actively supported a candidate to do something that you didn't want to do, which which would you think would be a better use of, of your money? <clears throat> well, uh, first of all, I wasn't saying I necessarily supported their political activism. I'm just saying it's unreal to believe that they won't get involved in a material way of trying to help certain causes of certain candidates win. Mm -hmm. uh, whether that's right or wrong, that's in the eye of the beholder, so to speak. Okay. Uh, with me, personally, I got to look at, okay, what was the issue that you're supporting and who, who, was, who, who was the candidate? I'm all for informing the people and letting them make the decision, the best decision that's for them. Uh, you could be working for example, like most unions, most of the time, they tend to do well when not conservatives are in office. They tend to do better. Mm -hmm. But you could have a union full of people that personally are politi politically con uh, conservative. Mm -hmm. So therefore, their, their politics would go against what the union's trying to do to save their industry and save their jobs. So you have, <clears throat> you have a dichotomy in that situation. 
what do you do? <laughs> what do you do when that happens? You know, do you hold up personally to your politics? Or do you go with the pocketbook and what's best for your you and your family's pocketbook at home, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so so you're you're fighting that two front war, so to speak. <clears throat> okay. So you brought up you brought up um that labor unions tend to do better with um with Democrats in, in, in power. Um and uh you kinda alluded to Reagan earlier in his fight with the uh air traffic controllers union. And um mm-hmm. And so, and so, one of the things that I kind of, uh, I don't know, had had was thinking about was, so Republicans, you know, are for the in, individual, the individual's rights, mm-hmm. and labor unions fight for the individual's rights, and yet they tend to Republicans tend to want to break unions. They want to eliminate the effectiveness of unions. So, so that somehow that doesn't jive with me. That doesn't make, that doesn't, that's not a cohesive idea that you would right. fight against unions that are fighting for the individual um, and then claim that you are fighting for the individual. Well, I think the the difference is when you talk about Republicans is that yeah they they're for individual rights, but at the same time, Republicans tend to favor businesses over people, and unions are in a conflict with the businesses. So people Republicans tend to not be pro union for that matter because the the unions are in a in conflict with the actual businesses you know you can go back to uh well it goes all the way back but like say in the reagan area era when when he was you know opened up uh did away with the um what was it the um monopolies and stuff he he he, <clears throat> he allowed corporations to merge and get bigger and bigger. And so there now we don't have the competition. So everybody's paying more and more for less because there is little competition. This is what the Republicans like. Whereas you were looking at unions, the unions would be dead set against that because they would want the workers to have a better chance to make more money than not, not the corporations. So I think that's where the conflict is. And I also think that corporate well i think that unions if you look at them the way they function throughout history they're they're kind of more like the mob <laughs> they're about <laughs> power and money i mean ga- gangsters have run the unions look at uh, <laughs> auto workers look at uh yeah i mean you know they, the, new york, the new york the new york garment workers unions in, in new york <laughs> yeah you go against the union then you you, you might end up in a Swimming with the fish, you know. Oh. <laughs> All right, they All right, have reputation. <laughs> so, so one of the things that you said was is that is that unions are in conflict with the business, and I guess I see it differently. I see that um, businesses um, have tended to believe that they have a complete autonomy, and that they can operate without input from the worker. So in other words, right. um, you know, let's take uh, Amazon. So Amazon has these crushing, um, crushing um, requirements for, for the common worker. They're trying to, they're trying to get a hundred dollars worth of work and then pay somebody only $16. And mm-hmm. I think unions are there to say, let's make this situation better for everybody. So instead of you taking all of that profit, how about you give some of it back to the people who make it possible for you to make that money? And that's how I see the, the union business relationship. It is, we have to put, uh, give the workers some of the, you know, 
if you had to go to work every day and you absolutely hated your job, you're not going to give the best that you can give. I see the unions as there to help you get make the job more more manageable for yourself and for your coworkers so that everybody benefits so that the company doesn't just uh, you know makes all of the profit and then throw you pennies and, and and have you to live you know so um but i i understand you know we, t- we i talked about earlier that mm-hmm. uh, labor unions have you know there are things that we can point to that have impacted the desire for unions to exist in our society. So hopefully before we, we get done, uh, we will have at least outlined. I, I think um, um, the investments, in, the lobbying is a big problem. And, um, and, and you pointed out that their history is a big problem too. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, and when you brought up the political aspects of it, Republicans are pro-business and the unions are in conflict with the business because they want the businesses to give more to the workers and Republicans want the businesses to pretty much have a free reign to make all the money and give the workers as little as they want. Well, it was, it was, it was telling that Leon mentioned Amazon. Amazon a few months ago just uh, faced a unionization vote in Alabama, mm-hmm. and the workers overwhelmingly uh, voted against having that union, although there were a bunch of complaints about Amazon and what they were doing to the workers. When the, when the people that would be in the union were given a voice, they voted against the union. Mm-hmm. They voted against having the union. Uh, like here in St. Louis, the, I didn't know that in December 2019, the UAW closed its West Region, a West office here in St. Louis. It was out in Hazelwood, and they moved they moved the control of that down to the regional office in uh, Tennessee. And one in Illinois. Well, Tennessee is a state that outlaws unions. They 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 ban them. They they can't work like most southern states do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because Volkswagen has a plan in Tennessee, and their workers wanted more of a say so in working conditions and benefits. And the guy that was a U.S. senator in Tennessee at the time, Corker who's uh, now retired or he didn't run the last election, he actively went to work to keep Tennessee from unionizing, from saying that labor unions were okay. So so that's, that's what we have. No, I, I understand. Hold on a second here. Yeah, so I think, because you mentioned Amazon and... Mm-hmm. I'm thinking you have a problem with the way Amazon is treating you. Mm -hmm. You want greater power and representation to change that. And then you vote Mm -hmm. down a union. Right. So, so either the whole process of trying to get the union in there, there were some scare tactics. Well, like I said, unions have hurt themselves because they've been a mob affiliated, because they've, um, you know, d- done so many different things. Because I, I, I still think the political, the the um, lobbying, you know, I mean, lobbyists are um, considered, para- you know, bad people, and mm-hmm. um, union lobbyists are no different than any other lobbyist. But. Um, so I so unions have a negative connotation. I just you know here's a situation where these people are uh, they're not happy with their job, and yet they they turn away probably one of the biggest abilities to have a greater say in in their corporate envir- in their company environment, and and I. 
so I don't know if it's a situation of people, you know, cutting off their nose to spite their face, which, which I think is probably a crazy analogy, but I'll, that's one that people understand. Uh, so, so rather than, rather than to try to have a union and make the union work for them, they would rather not have the union at all and then still have no say in the company. So they lose-lose. Well, like you said, the scare taxes that they use Amazon go probably when they said even though this is considered illegal by law, but can you prove it? Say, hey, you vote this union in, we'll close this facility down and y'all won't have any jobs. And especially since the 80s, our economy started really switching from a labor-intensive economy to a service sector economy. And regular people don't get jobs making a lot of money. Like back in the 60s and 70s, you could go get a job at some manufacturing plant, work 30, 35 years, retire, get a pension and all that. And you didn't have a high school diploma. Mm -hmm. That opportunity isn't available anymore. And as with unions, you had a lot of things where somebody in the union came up and embezzled money from it, took money from it. And, uh, and there's definitely stories where the union didn't stand up for some people or a group of people or some person. And this person got shafted royally by the company or the, uh, or the employer. And those stories have gotten out. I mean, I remember leaving college. I was a heavy person in favor of unions. And then I had my deal with the union in my former profession. And I wasn't necessarily always in favor of. Uh, and it was just hearing, you know, uh, seeing that story last night just brought back a lot when I was watching uh, Donnybrook. And you can go to PBS.org website and look that story up. But, you know, the one guy, they had a reporter on from uh, Post Dispatch, Joe Holloman, speaking mm -hmm. about it. Uh, he was just talking about how, you know, like the Carpenters Union, which was dissolved, and they, you know, besides the building trades in St. Louis, they were the bargaining agent for corrections officers in the city of St. Louis. And they backed uh, trying to keep the workhouse open, but that closed, you know, and the and it was on the news a lot, on the TV news a lot, about the problems the correctional officers were having in the downtown justice system in St. Louis. Hmm. So, I mean... So you've, you've said that, you know, we've moved away from manufacturing to move a little away away from manufacturing into service and i don't i don't see any reason why we shouldn't have service industry uh unions now i realize that you know so if you create a union mm -hmm. um you have to take into consideration what your people can pay to be a part mm -hmm. of that industry service sector jobs have traditionally been not uh, jobs where people earned a living. They were entry-level jobs where people um, were there for, on a temporary basis and only a few people were there for a long-term basis and depended on that as a uh, source of permanent income. Um, mm -hmm. But that has changed as we become a, as you said, we're a service industry now. We're, we're a bigger part of a service industry. It has become greater in our society. And so maybe we need to look at um, how do we effectively represent the um, service industry, uh, nurses and, uh, you know, home care workers and, um, you know, all kinds of service industry jobs. How do we um, make life better for them? Because they are, you know, there are people who are trying to uh, raise a family on that to buy a home 
to to have a life and and they need certain things just like anybody else and we should continue to look at them as the the stepchildren of the workforce true true with that uh true you know that what you said is just true i mean just look at what's happening in our government now uh but part of biden's build back better plan was to provide things so that a lot of service workers can get better wages, so that a lot of people can get back in the workforce, especially women, by providing uh, daycare for them or whatever. And you got a lot of people in Congress that's voting against that. Mm -hmm. They don't like uh, the size of the bill. They want to just cut down less money. Uh, One woman senator won't tell where she's at on stuff. All she just know is I'm I'm going against it, but she won't tell where she at. So she doesn't want to negotiate in good faith. Mm-hmm. Uh all she doing is holding up the works. Now it, it has been shown uh you know that she getting paid by a couple of industry groups mm-hmm. that don't want this build back better plan uh to to go. So that's where she's going. But you know that 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 type of stuff just just take effect and it happens all through up and down our economy. Well, while the uh, employee management relationship is slightly adversarial, it doesn't have to be combative. The, the management well, is going to want you know everybody has to be willing to give something. So, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I, I'm sure you guys have heard the story where, so a lot of labor unions go on seniority. So if, if I think the right person for the job is this person, but the other person has more seniority, uh, I'm required mm-hmm. to, because the labor union has negotiated, um, right. that this person with the more seniority gets the job. And then I, as the company, feel like I've lost control of my company because I can't put the people in the position that I think is going to make the company the best situation. Yeah. I mean, that's, you was mentioned before, right. You was mentioned before one of the ways that labor unions have hurt themselves. I think that's a prime example. I mean, I remember reading about stories over the years about, uh, they had to go on seniority and it was like this one bottling plant uh, the train forklift operator had to give way because a union guy with seniority who was pushing the broom decided he didn't want to push the broom anymore so he took he was able to go uh, seek the forklift guy from the job and then after he crashed and caused $20,000 worth of lost product all he had to do was walk away from it, but the company was following the union contract. Mm-hmm. And so that's one way unions are hurt themselves. Uh, another way is they had priced themselves out of the market. So how many, how many jobs have gone overseas? And, you know, I was talking about that with my wife the other day, like, you know, those Apple iPhones, they're made over in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Shoe companies over in Korea and China, mm-hmm. uh, workers that they would have to pay $10, $15, $20 an hour here, they could take it overseas and pay somebody 5 or $10 a day to do the same product. And then Apple still brings their phone back over here and charge you the latest Apple phone is about $1,000 a phone now. Mm-hmm. And people wait overnight to stand in line to go through the doors to be the first ones to go buy that new phone. Okay. I mean, so, you know, it's, so it's stuff like that. So, so when it comes to the union labor movement, I, so, so everyone has some responsibility in where we are with labor, with, uh, um, labor unions. And, and I, I understand mm-hmm. that. And, um, I, I think, it is a good time for us to reevaluate the role of labor unions uh, again with management and its impact on the community. Um, 
because you know sometimes when people get power they don't know when to take the foot off the gas and when you've got situations you got those horror stories where the wrong person was in in a position to do damage to the company and they they simply got it there because of the seniority and and the, and to be fair the that rule that you know was about um was to keep management from stocking the management team with people that were only going to be loyal to um the 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 top of the food chain so correct so every so everybody has to be invested in the whole system working for everybody so in other words the labor unions have to be uh, while they represent the the worker, they still have to understand the management, and management may has to make decisions. While their their main goal is profit of the company, they have to see the worker as important to that goal. And until that happens, then this adversarial relationship may be, you know, it may be always butting heads. Well, it'll be, it'll be combative. You said it could be adversarial. It didn't necessarily have to be combative. Right. But it's got combative and, and, it, and it stays there. And, you know, labor unions had to understand automation, uh, taking some jobs, uh, robots coming in to take jobs. Mm-hmm. And... You know, if they keep, if they continue to operate without taking that into account, more and more of their people lose jobs. Like, you know, you start off the show giving us statistics on how many people compared to the early 60s that are part of labor unions. And, you know, it's going down. I mean, uh, who knew that the Carpenters Union was the collective bargaining agent for the city corrections officers. Uh, Who knew that? But, you know, as there's less workers represented by unions, these unions now have to go out and actively recruit membership because there's, you know, there's still power in numbers. Mm -hmm. So in order to, to make their political power greater, they have to take people that they historically didn't take, like the Carpenters Union, was mostly for building trade people when it started. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you know, like back here in St. Louis in 1915, but now they have to, they, they take, uh, like you said, corrections officers mm-hmm. and what have you. Right. And so, and so I don't have a, I don't have a problem with unions morphing and becoming and better to better serve, um, to better serve workers, to better serve talent, uh, to better serve the people who are actually creating the products, I I I could care less if the if the um, truckers union represented the food service industry. Who cares? What What is important is that is that those workers are represented, their voices are being heard, and management right. understands that and appreciates that 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 without those workers, the doors don't open. Hmm. There, right. there is no hamburgers made without cooks. It just doesn't happen. There is no, there is no uh, dollars and cents that comes into the company that, that doesn't pass through that cash register. Right. So management, you know, collecting their salary doesn't get a salary. If, if, if the manager doesn't go in and take the keys and physically opens the store and makes sure that the product gets served, given to the customer, and that the money is received then from the customer. And so, right. and so, what I think has, what I see happening, is that management teams to believe that the world spins on management, that if management doesn't push papers and do projections, that the company is not going to be solvent that the company is not going to um, function. And they forget that 
you know, there's all of these people that are necessary for those projections to even be made. How do you make projections when you don't have anybody to create the product? I'll let you chew on that for a minute. So anyway, uh, so do you have like any objections? I'm, you know, again, we've mentioned, um, and, and both of you have said, or yeah, both of you have said that that you think labor unions, but can you think of any reason why to not have a labor union, why it's not necessary that the worker be represented, that, that it's a good that each worker represents themselves? Because that's what, what happens when you don't have a union. Every worker has to represent themselves. Well, when I look at the history of American labor, you had to have unions because unions represented improving working conditions. It improved it improved to the point that we had 40-hour work weeks instead of being forced to work 80 and 90 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those things wouldn't happen without a union. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was uh, looking at the History Channel a few weeks or a month ago, and they was talking about how the union, how the unions had to fight against the big three automakers that were in America, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. they were doing, you know, what they were doing, and, and and you know how the unions came in, and for the most part, got the workers a, a decent wage that were on the assembly line. Although Ford always started off paying their people a decent wage, but you know he still worked people to the bone. And so, you know, it's, it's, uh, unfortunately, like you said, uh, nobody thinks about the other side. So they'll do what they're allowed to get away with instead of saying, okay, it'd be good for us to only work these workers 50 hours a week instead of 80 and 90 hours a week. Let them have good work conditions. Uh, let them have some medical insurance. Like Henry Ford's thing was, I want my workers to be able to buy my cars, mm-hmm. and you know, not too many, not too much management do that. And unions had to push the way through. Mm-hmm. So, uh, unless you guys have uh, uh, anything else, I'm going to use the last five minutes or so. We got about seven minutes. Um, well, go ahead. What what uh, Leonard just said was that he the. Um, management or a company would want the uh, employee to be able to afford the products. Amazon, a good example, uh, they have plenty of products and services that their workers could afford. But at the same time, why don't they uh, allow unions in? Do you think that if they had to uh, concede to some union demands that would uh, affect the uh, the cost basis of the uh, work and the pay to the point where the owners wouldn't be satisfied? Are they too greedy to give a little bit more for the workers to have uh, some things the union might ask for? I think it's a top-down issue because the owners are, are if they don't have the mindset to want unions, that's going to be the biggest problem. So one of the things that I think is that most people don't like to negotiate. Amazon got to where it is by top-down management and management having a free hand. A union coming in says, you know, um, your top-down costs a lot of pain and suffering to the people that you put on – put the responsibility on the backs of. So all of those workers sweating in this in the factories, all of those people that's, you know, getting the products out and um, assembling the products and, you know, ordering and shipping and all of that kind of stuff, um, work their heart out to get Amazon where they are. And what they're saying is, you know, um, the way you're treating us isn't the isn't optimum for us to continue to do what we're doing you're taking you're pocketing all of this money we hear your earnings reports we hear you're going to get a big 
settlement, you know, big, big tax breaks from the government to build this factory here, and you're making all this money, and you you're paying us um, little, and and you're not, and what you're doing, what you believe that you're doing for my benefit is not enough. So I I think um, management does not like to be to have to negotiate. They want to continue to run roughshod over the whole situation. They want to control it. Yeah. If they have the power, why should they? And why, then, why would they negotiate if they can just say, well, let them eat cake. Go work somewhere else. We'll hire some more people. Exactly. You know, I, that's the attitude. Right. And that whole let them eat cake stuff simply says I don't value my workers. They are True. easily replaceable. And yep. that's and that's why I think unions have a place because union simply says no they're not replaceable. So for for every mom that's that's trying to work for extra money or every college student working their way through school these people depend on these jobs and you don't get to just change the company willy-nilly and and terminate 15,000 20,000, 6,000 workers because you've decided that you just want to move the plant because, because you're going to get a better deal from the governor of Tennessee than you got for the, from the governor of Texas. You know, these, these workers, just because you got a better deal, you don't get to just dump their lives after they've given you all of this hard work to achieve your success and now you're just going to climb over their backs and leave them as corpses in your in the wake of your growth. And so I think unions are beneficial in that way. So do you think when a company like Amazon considers places where they want to open up plants, do you think the uh, the aspect of uh, having to deal with union labor or not? is a big factor. Well, Leonard already said that. (laughs) Volkswagen picked Tennessee for a reason. Exactly. (laughs) They picked Tennessee for a reason. So we have states, so it's political in every sense because union versus non-union is largely political. Conservative states are pretty much anti-union. More liberal states are probably pro-union. So boys with with the money and and the jobs are are seeking those uh, conservative uh, areas where they can uh, pretty much get what they want without having to pay a lot, Mm -hmm. except their buddies with, you know, that they go to the country club with. So now, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So, so I... (laughs) So, so the right right to work is a little different. Um, I I I see the benefit of unions. Um, I don't think people should be forced to be into a union, but how do you get people to recognize that a union is in their best interest? Becomes the issue. Well, uh, you mentioned something before about educating. And you got to educate. And then the, the workers got to believe or be willing to not work uh, in order to be part of the union. Because, you know, they, they tried to write the work legislation in the past in Missouri a few years ago. And that Carpenters Union in St. Louis was the key leaders in defeating that legislation. Uh they they defeat you know they defeated it in Missouri, and in other states you have it. Uh, you know, and I was in a unique industry. We had, we don't have right to work. We had what was called fair share, where basically, the labor union who uh, was able to say, okay, a fair share. Of, uh, uh, of the union dues is 70%. So if you're not in the union, you still have to pay 70% of union dues. But the union had to open its books and prove that 
of every 70 cent of every dollar they spent was spent getting benefits for everybody that everybody enjoyed. And where I was at, they did not, the labor union did not want to open this book because the fair share legislation is federal law. Mm-hmm. And we told them that if you try to enforce that on us, we're going to force you to have to open your books. They didn't want to open those books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was never put, it was never put down in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's, that's, that's just the way that, that's just the way that goes. Uh, so there's a trust issue on every side of the fence that has to be gotten over in order for this to be more beneficial for everybody. Yes. Yeah. All right. That's, that's the short, trust that's is, the short and tall of it. It's a time <laughs> for us to wrap it up. We are, I have had a good time today. Uh, it took a minute to, to prime the pump to get these guys to join the conversation. <laughs> But that's what it takes sometimes. These are good folks. That's why I have them here. We will be back tomorrow uh, as we talk about manhood. It's a discussion I'm absolutely sure you won't want to miss. Uh, Good night, John Boy. (laughs) Good night, Sue Ellen. (laughs) All right. I'm out. (laughs) That concludes this adjustment. And thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you.